things. Again, thank you so much for your expression of love and appreciation. And uh, I re really do feel it. And we are doing this because we want to, not because we have to. And that's a big, that's a big deal, isn't it? So today, um, I want to continue to speak on the, the identity topics that Jesus gives us, beginning in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we talked last week about Jesus said that we were the salt of the earth. Do you remember that? And uh, what that meant is that salt is a combination of sodium chloride. And uh, what we understood, what we kind of maybe discovered then, because maybe not most of us are science people or chemistry people, but sodium in itself is toxic. Sodium in itself is, is not good for you. It, it's harmful to you. But when you combine sodium with chloride, it's a, it forms an, an, an ionic compound called sodium chloride, which is table salt. And all of a sudden, sodium, which was toxic, combined with, the, uh, with chloride, uh, is something that not only is it ta table salt, but it's necessary for life. And so Jesus declared that we are the salt of the earth, and that means that we are the sodium, but when we get combined with Christ, we not only are edible, but we're necessary for life. And that was a, that was a good message, and so um, that was what we talked about last week. Today we're talking about, Jesus says, that we're the light of the world. And um, so our topic, or our text, is in chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. So you can read along with me here. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word today. And God, we just ask you to do your work that you can just make it known to us and that you can make it clear as to what we are and that how you look upon us. And we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, um, we see a very simple statement here. You are the light of the world, and it sounds so simple, but yet it is so deep and so profound into what Jesus is saying. Now it's obvious, light is important for life. We talked about it at the very beginning. We really appreciate electricity, don't we? The fact that we can just walk into a room and just flip the light switch on and, and know there's going to be light. Because without that, we just are so limited in everything we do. So electricity is a big deal. But in the day that Jesus is talking about, they didn't have electricity. It, they, had to, they had to work for their light. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as we, as we move on. But I want to talk about what is light. Light has one major purpose. And that is to light up the dark spaces that it comes into. And it exposes what's hidden in the dark. You know, what could be dangerous in the dark becomes not dangerous most of the time when the light's turned on. And we have a lot of fear over the darkness, don't we? We don't know what's lurking in the darkness. Chances are it's probably nothing but a shadow, and it's probably not going to hurt you anywhere. But the light is to light up the things that are hidden. And they are to, um, what light always wins, by the way. Did you know that? Light is never overcome by darkness. 
But light always overcomes darkness. No matter how small the candle is, there is light, and darkness will not put the light out. Light always wins. But I want to talk to something about about our actions. Because Jesus says here in in our text that we're to do good deeds and let our good deeds be shown among men so that it brings glory to God. And um, I think that's something that, for spiritual people, I think this is something that confuses some people because they see good deeds as somewhat negative. I hate to say it that way, but sometimes we look at good deeds and we should, they should be hidden. We shouldn't do things to be seen by people. But yet God says that we are to do things because it brings glory to God not to bring glory to us, but our actions do make a difference in this life. And uh, it's a non-biblical idea to think that we're to hide our actions. At the same time, we've got to be careful that, we, that it doesn't become about us. But James talks about it, and I'm going to talk to you. Let me, let me open your Bible to the second, second chapter of James, starting at verse 14. And James talks about the fact that works are important and they're good. He's not saying that we earn our salvation, but yet we, he's saying that we have to work as a result of our salvation. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone may say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Clearly, actions do something. Clearly, actions matter in the life of a believer. Now, clearly, James also is not saying that we're working our way into the kingdom. He's not saying that I'm saved because I do good deeds. He's not saying that. Salvation is a free gift. It is a gift of God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and it is free to every man, woman, and child. However, once salvation is given and accepted, then the person that is saved is expected to do something with it. It's expected to bear fruit. So we have to make sure that we're doing that while at the same time we're not, we're not over extremism in our activism. (laughs) I mean, I think that we have to be careful because there are some people and some churches maybe that spend so much time doing the things that we're commanded to do that they forget why they're doing them. They're doing them maybe to be seen by people because it gives them a sense of self-worth, and it gives them a sense of, look how good I am, without really understanding who they're doing it for. So we don't want to become a social activist and a political activist for that for the sake of doing that. At the same time, we need to do that, right? I mean, so it's a double-edged sword. We have to work. We have to be doing what we can do in our community to be the hands and feet of Jesus, But we just have to know that because we're doing that doesn't make us the hands and feet of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? We have to get our priorities right. 
So I want to take the time today that, that I want to talk more about the light. I, I want to talk about more, uh, I, I don't want to minimize our activities in the world, but I don't think that's really what Jesus is talking about here. I think he's talking more about light as a spiritual sense of who it is, what it is, and what that means for our lives. So let's talk about light in the sense that Jesus was talking about. See, in the day, like I said before, in the day of Jesus, uh, of speaking here, people had depended upon something like this, this lamp right here. And this lamp is only effective when all the pieces are working. In other words, there is a, uh, there's an oil source, there's a piece of fabric or something that's dipped in the oil that wicks up the oil, and then a match is applied to the wick, and it makes the light, and it turns the light on. So it takes work. Um, and once the fire is lit, then it could be very functional and usable, but it has to be maintained. We're going to talk about the lamp in a little bit more a little bit later. But I want to talk more about um, how Jesus uses this analogy in the life of his followers in a dark and fallen world. Because we live in darkness. Light is used to expose what the darkness hides. Our world is a dark world. And the, the world that Jesus was, was talking, was walking in, was also a dark world. It's never been a light world ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Darkness came upon the world right away. So it's awesome. It's something that we need to be aware of. And the Jewish audience, the Jewish people, might have thought about this passage when Jesus started talking about light in the world. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. Shining ever brighter to fill the, until the full light of the day, until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So the purpose for light is to show how to walk, where to walk, so you don't trip or worse yet, walk off a cliff. You've got to be careful where you're walking in the dark. How many people have stubbed their toes in the dark? And how many people have said a bad word in the dark? <laughs> That's tempting when you stub your toe to say something you shouldn't say because the light's not turned on. I get it. You know, there's power, there's power in light. And, and sometimes light can be a little bit deceiving too. I mean, I'm going to think about, let me give you the example of a, of a full moon on a clear lit night. It's dark outside, the stars are shining bright, and the moon is full, and the moon is very, very bright. And if we're not wise, we could get, we could be confused as to where is that light coming from. That, that, that moon is so bright, it looks like it is the source of light. But it's not the source of light. I mean, the moon is nothing more than a cold rock orbiting the earth out there in space somewhere, all it's doing is reflecting the light of the sun. And what's what's confusing about it, for those that don't understand this, which I think most of us do, but the sun is hidden. The sun is on the other side of the world, and it's reflecting off of a dark, cold object called the moon, and we're seeing the moon in full light that would make it look like it is a source of light. And the reason I think that's important is because that's the way the enemy works. 
The enemy can bring a false source of light if we're not careful. We need to be wise as to what is the source of light that we're following. We don't want to be following a source that's not the true source. We want to make sure that what we're following, the source of light that we're following, we want to make sure that it is the real source, the original source, the, the source that is the, creating the light, not just the source that's reflecting the light. Because the devil can be very deceptive in that he can be thinking, he can get us into thinking that we really don't need the light of the gospel because we have, an, we have our own light of false teachings and false understanding of who we are. Does that make sense? So we have to be careful then when we see a light, we've got to examine the source. What is the source? Jesus made it very clear that he is the light of the world. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. This, read, the, read along. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So remember, the purpose of light is to expose that which is hidden in darkness. Evil is exposed through the light of Jesus Christ. And that's where the battle lies. That's where the battle lies because creatures of the dark that are evil will run from the light. You know if you walk into a darkly lit room and you turn the light on and if you've got a a roach or some type of a vermin in there and all of a sudden it's exposed, what does it do? It scatters as fast as it can because it doesn't want to be exposed. What happens to our life when there's sin in our life and all of a sudden the light of Christ, the light of God's word comes into our life? What do we do? The natural man wants to run. That conviction that comes when the light when the light exposes our sin, that conviction makes us uncomfortable. And therefore, our natural man wants to run away because we don't want to be exposed. But Paul says this to the to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five, verses beginning at one. He says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Jesus has started something here. This is what he started. He says, But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, 
such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let's pause here a minute. But did it expose anything in your life? I mean, you can go back at that list, and it says it starts off saying that um, sexual immorality. Okay, well, most of us probably aren't sexually immoral here. So you can think, well, this is not talking about me. But then it says, or any kind of impurity. Okay, well, it's getting a little closer to home. <laughs> or of greed. Get a little closer because these are improper for God's holy people. And then he says, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, okay, or coarse joking. You mean jokes aren't proper? Well, not if they're improper, not if they're not, if they're not right, not if they're coarse, not if they're obscene. Be careful what we laugh about, right? For they're out of place. But rather, we should be full of thanksgiving. So that list started off like, no, he's not talking to me. Then all of a sudden, it's all about me. It's showing all the things in my life. That's the light of the gospel, the way that it shows up in our life and exposes the things that I need to be concerned about. And then he goes on in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. There's that deception. There's that false light thing. Let no one deceive you with empty words of false light. Think about this. Now, Jesus, the next, the next sentence here is that Jesus is going to now give us who, what our identity is. Listen to this. Verse 8. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Do you see what Jesus does when he comes into a dark world? He, he, he exposes the sin of the world. And do you see the identity change that's happening here? Just like sodium chloride, sodium combined with chloride made sodium chloride table salt. Do you see the change in identity here? He says that once you were darkness, now you are light. Identity change. You're no longer darkness. Now you are light. Because of Jesus Christ. Identity changes when Jesus gets involved. You cannot change your own identity. As hard as much as you want to, you cannot change your identity. The only thing that changes it is Jesus. And that can take something toxic like sodium and make it table salt. Or that can take darkness and make it light. It's an identity change. That's so awesome, isn't it? That's what we want. That's the life of a believer, that we want to change identities. Now let's talk about the source of light. Let's change veins a little bit. Let's talk about the source. All light requires a source. Something must create the light. You see, when you walk outside on a bright sunny day, you might look at it and say, well, this is free. 
It's a free source of light. But no, it's not. Do you, I mean, the, the sun is going through great travail <laughs> to bring light on the world because here this sun is 93 million miles away and it is burning extremely hot. I mean, the, the temperature of the, of, the, of, the, of the face of the sun is so hot, it's hard to measure it. And I'm not going to get into all the science of it all. But the sun is giving up a lot of energy. It's burning. And eventually that sun will burn out. There are, it's just a star. And eventually that star will burn itself out over, I don't know how many years it has left, hopefully another a couple days. <laughs> for our for our benefit but when it burns out all life will cease here on earth because earth depends on the sun energy but it's not free understand that now let's downsize this to what we can handle even in our life everything requires a source of energy you flip the light switch on, you don't think these are paid for with nothing. These lights cost something, and it's created somewhere miles away from here. It's created, and through this massive electrical grid, all of a sudden, this electricity just appears in the form of light. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? If you study electricity, it's really kind of interesting. But I want to use an example here that we can deal with. I want to talk about this lamp, and I want to talk about a match. You see, when I take, I better hit this up so I don't burn this place down. I don't want to have a fire, all right? But when I strike a match, something happens. When I strike a match, I have a flame. Pretty awesome. Interesting, isn't it, how it's burning out like that? And I can just sit and watch that flame burn. Isn't that cool? Uh Uh-oh. Oh. What happened to it? Burned out. So it's an awesome, it's an awesome fact to watch it. But see, the thing is, I have to do something with this flame. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna let the flame live beyond the length of the stick, I have to do something with it. And that's when it calls lighting the lamp. I have to light this lamp. Remember we talked about this lamp earlier? I have a oil source here, and that oil source has wicked up through that that piece of fabric, and I have a wick up here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna light this match again. But I just can't admire the flame. I need to do something with it. I need to light. It worked perfect before. Good thing I got a lot of matches. Oh, yeah, come on. Forget that, forget that. What's that? No. Crash and burn. Come on. All right, who spit on my matches? All right, see, what you got to do right away, I got to light that lamp. I light the lamp. This can burn out because now I've transferred this to this lamp, right? And now this lamp is burning bright. And, uh, and when I, so, and that's, that's the thing. That's the source. But here's the thing. A, 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 a person that gets saved is this. A person that gets saved, that, that immediate explosion of light that came with this match, that's salvation. 
That's your day of salvation. But if I don't do something with that, without if I don't add a, a source of energy to this, it'll it'll go out by itself or get burned out. And here's the other critical thing too of salvation: the critical time of salvation is early in the life of this lamp. See, I can just I can blow that out. And there's no, I mean, that, that's the enemy. How, how quickly and how easily the enemy can come into a life that's newly saved and it can blow it out. So we have to protect it. So let me relight this lamp again. I'm going to relight the lamp. And now this is the purpose of the globe. I put the globe on, and now all of a sudden it's previous, impervious to being blown out. I can't blow it out. You know what that's called? It's called your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's called asking the Holy Spirit to come around and protect your life, to protect your light. You can't live life on your own. You will burn out or get blown out. You need to have the protection of the globe. You need to have the Holy Spirit surround you and protect you. You need to have brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the church. The church is the globe that comes around and protects that light. It's so cool because now once that light is lit and that globe is on it, then I can read Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. It says, For I am convinced that neither life nor death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to blow out my light, will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This globe now is helping protect that, that, that source of light. That's really good. But there's still a concern here, folks. There's still a concern that I have, because as protected as that light source is, it's still not impervious to going out if I don't keep the lamp full of oil. Hear me on this. This is where we have to take responsibility for ourselves. I have to keep filling this lamp with the oil of the Holy Spirit to give that source, that wick, source to burn. Because I'll let that burn for a long time and it'll burn, burn, burn. But when the energy is gone, when the, when the oil is gone, what happens? It'll go out by itself. The enemy didn't blow it out. Nobody can take my salvation, but I can let it run out. If I'm not feeding that with good Bible reading and Bible study, keeping myself in the in a, in a context of a good church, in a good a, a group of believers, the darkness of the world can sneak in and I will just be overwhelmed by it and I will lose my source of energy and the light of my spiritual life can go out. That make sense? Do you understand that? Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 4. Jesus is saying, At the time the kingdom of at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And we know the rest of the story. 
the bridegroom came, there wasn't enough oil for the, for the unwise virgins, and their lamps burned out. But the ones that had enough, they trimmed their lamps, and they went into the, they went into the wedding celebration of the groom. That's our life. That's a good example of what it means to keep our lamps full, to keep our source of energy there, and to make sure that we're protecting our flame. You know what that's called? I'm going to skip on here a little bit because time's clicking, clicking on. But this is what was once called out of darkness into light. That's who we are. We have a responsibility now to keep the lamp trimmed, full of oil, and burning brightly. That's called sanctification. It's a big spiritual word here that's called sanctification. And the whole purpose is, is that we are to set ourselves apart from the world. It's a process now of living light in a dark world, but we're to be set apart from it so that the world doesn't influence us, that we, but yet we influence the world. We're set apart. That's the call to process. Now, there's an instantaneous sanctification because we're saved instantaneously sanctified, but then there's the process of living because if I, if I died the moment I got saved, then I, then there would be no need for sanctification because I'm, as soon as my, as soon as the, the match lit, that explosion of the match lit, that's my salvation. If Jesus said, all right, come into heaven, boom, I'm gone. I'm in heaven just like the thief on the cross did, but that's not where we're at today. We are living, and we need to keep, continue to live apart from the world in the process of sanctification to keep our lamp burning brightly. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. So Jesus says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill up your lamp with the Holy Spirit, and that will give you life. Don't let, don't chase the things of this world because they are only going to give you more problems and what's not, and, and all kinds of issues. So we must keep our lamp full. A commentary says, in order to accomplish God's purposes of spiritual growth, development, and maturity, Christ's followers must participate in the Holy Spirit, sanctifying work by refraining from evil, and keeping oneself from being polluted morally and spiritually by the world. You know, we don't eat one time and then think we're going to sustain our life. We eat every day. If I'm going to protect myself from the viruses of this world, I take vitamins every day. I build up my immune system every day. I don't just do it. It's not a one-and-done deal. Every day we have to continue to keep our lamp full of oil. We are doing this because John chapter 12 verses 14 or John chapter 12 verses 46 Jesus says I've come to the I've come as light to shine in this dark world. This is Jesus. So that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. John 8:12 Jesus spoke to the people once more and said I am the light of the world you follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Amazing promises of light that God gives us. Jackie, would you come, please? The promise is that if I keep myself full of the full of the Holy Spirit, and if I'm seeking the presence of the Holy Spirit, 
like we did today in our worship earlier today. It was a beautiful time of worship. Beautiful time of just saturating ourselves in the power and the presence of God. When we do that, the light of Jesus burns brighter in our hearts, brighter in our lives. And so then when we walk into a dark world tomorrow, even this afternoon, depending where we're going, the light of, the light of Christ shines through me, shines through you into those that you have influence over. So the questions that I have for us today is, is this what you want? Really, is, is this your desire? Is this the life you want? Are we willing to do our part in, this, in our change of identity? We have some responsibilities here. Are we doing our part? Are we making our priorities right? Or do you walk out of here today and think, oh, that was a nice service, nice message, and do what I want to do the rest of the day? Are you making a change of lifestyle as necessary? Are we committed to being diligent in trimming our oil, trimming our lamp and keeping our oil oil full? I hope this makes sense. Because God has given us a, a great promise. I said that there was no such thing as free energy. Well, I was wrong. There is one source. Revelation chapter 21. This is the new heavens and the new earth. And it says, And the city has no need of sun or moon or the glory, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all the glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day, because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the book's Lamb's Book of Life. There's coming a day, folks, where we will be in the light of God. He is the light that doesn't need a source because He is the source of light. But until that day comes... We have to do everything we ha- everything we can to trim our lamp, to protect the light that's burning in our life. Don't let the enemy steal this. Don't let the enemy blow it out. The, the most critical time is when the person first becomes saved because they're not protected yet. The enemy's right there to come back and get them back on their old lifestyle. The church is the lamp that come around it. Now they're safer, but now we have to do our part to maintain the oil personally yeah let's pray father we just come to you in jesus name and lord there is a lot of meaning in this little phrase that you call us light help us not to take it lightly help us to let the impact sink in and settle into our spirits so that we truly understand that to be light of the world means we have work to do It doesn't mean that we're earning anything. It just means that we're reflecting the light of God through us. And that takes work for us to keep our reflector clean, shiny, so that it does a good job reflecting Jesus. I pray, God, that we would see the application of this today. In Jesus' name, amen.